Hi, I'm Brian Kramer, author of Human to Human and host of Leadtail TV. Marketing services in B2B is completely different from marketing products in B2B, or is it? 20-year CMO Mark Waxman came on the show and let us know that is not completely true. In our conversation, we talked about the real difference between marketing services and products, how to implement a successful social selling program in marketing, and why all marketers are storytellers, regardless of if they work in a corporation, an agency, in B2B services, or B2B tech. Here's Mark Waxman. Hey, Mark. It's so wonderful to have you here, not only because you're a, you know, experienced marketer, but also we kind of go back maybe a few years. <laughs> Quite a few. Yes. We've had a few lives together. Yeah. So um, thank you. Thanks for joining joining us here on Lead Tail Team. The Wall Street Journal ran this article in 2020 talking about how average CMO tenure is now down to about 41 months. Given all that, you're an interesting outlier um, in this area because you've managed to stay at, uh, in the CMO role for 18 plus years. And, um, and I've known you, I think for 25 ish, maybe 20 to 25 ish years. So that's, that's a lot all all with the same company. Um, that, that must mean that you're doing something right. Well, maybe I think I, I, I'd love to say that it was uh, a grand plan. It's not, it wasn't, (laughs) it's a little more than 41 months. Yeah. But actually 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. I was never in marketing. I was never in a marketing department. I was never in a corporate. I was an ad agency guy. I owned a couple of ad agencies. I owned a consulting firm, which I sold to CBIS, the company I'm part of now. Uh, And so I never had an intent to do that. But um, the way it came about was as I, so after I sold my consulting company to CBIS, periodically the, they would ask us to uh, do certain things from a marketing standpoint. I was a marketing consultant. And, and as you know, also not shy about sharing my opinion oftentimes about things. So I'd send an email to the CEO and say, you know, I don't think that's a good idea or I think you should do it differently. And I didn't know him. I'd never met him, but I just send them to him because, you know, that was my opinion. So apparently, it turns out he was a pretty good guy. He actually read the emails that people send him, which is a good sign for a CEO. And uh, one day the phone rang and he called him and said, well, what would you do? And I, I gave him some, sort of what I thought we should do as a company to market it. He said, you know what? I want you to come back to our company's headquarters in the East Coast. And he said, I want you to fly out and meet me and talk to me about it. I flew out to the East Coast and I met with him and I told him what I thought we should do. And he says, well, do you want to do that? You want you want the job, which I didn't realize I was applying for, and so uh, it was around during the time of the dot bomb era. Silicon Valley will remember that it was, and I'd spent my entire life pitching, you know, selling, trying to you know bring in enough business to keep all my employees. And I thought, hmm, corporate job in a downtime, maybe that'll be cushy. I'll I'll try that for a year or two. Um, I, I like the people, I like the company, and my people, my team. Uh, the, the core team, I have 70 some odd marketers, but the ones who work, report directly to me, those have their average uh, uh, stay is 15 years. So it's not just me. It's just a really good company. So that's the give. And my give is that I tried to provide a level of value to the company that was different um, by understanding the company's needs. And so I wake up every day, I have for 20 years, not trying to be the best CMO. I'm not going to be. There's a lot of way smarter people than me out there. But what I do try to do is be the best CMO for CBIS. 
for the company. And so not be this best CMO for my career, not be the best CMO for, but understanding the uniqueness of our company. It's different. Every company is different. Our company is different. And be the best CMO that there could be for that company. And that's, so they think that's valuable. I think what they've given is valuable. Win-win relationship. 20 years, maybe 41 more months to go. I don't know how long. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think I've broken that. I think I brought that average up a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, what I love about that is, um, is I'm going to try this out for one or two years. And this, the, uh, the way that that landed and how it surprised a, a total turning point of your career. So what I'm curious about too is when you're looking at the, um, the agency life versus the consulting life versus the corporate life, what, what do you see now looking back? And what did you learn from, all, from those different aspects? Well, I think that, you know, I talked to a lot of people who are thinking about going the, you know, world of marketing and I, I, I tell them there's, there's, and there are truly great things about both. I, I, it's not like one's good and one's bad by no means. They're different. Um, I was really happy that I, that I did what I did for all the years that I was in the agency world. It was fun and exciting. Um, corporate is probably more, you know, more stable. So there's, there's, there's a plus and minus there. But I think the big part is the work. In an agency, you know, you know that you, um, you know, you might be working on a computer company at one minute and a real estate company the next minute and trying to market dog food the next day, right? And, um, but, and you're bringing whatever your talents are, you're a copywriter, you're a creative, whatever, to all these different things. That's super exciting, super brain challenging, super fun. The people you work with are fun. You know, it's great. On the corporate side, it's different. You're always got the same product and service set, basically, um, but you are responsible, but you own it, and you're responsible for every aspect of it, whether it's PR or digital or, and you know, because you are the owner, and so it's a completely different set of skills, and both of them brain challenging, both are exciting, but they're they they have a different uh, kind of emotional feel. I like them both. I do generally. Probably better to be man in the advertising world and 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 be the more mature in the corporate world i guess it worked out well for me anyway you you know it it makes me think that it also would would give you a leg up and for any marketer to have a leg up by actually having experience in an agency in a consulting capacity and then into corporate um, now, what the value that you can provide to now CBiz is at a level that's um, probably unlike other C- CMOs, I would imagine, um, knowing that I've worked with CMOs that, are, that have really been the corporate track their whole time, they've got this, and right, and that leads to my question of, of, of uh, developing an internal agency versus an external agency, and the differences of that, because now you've got this experience behind you of having owned an external agency and then now running, you know, an, uh, a corporate marketing, uh, you know, agency almost within within a company. How do you see that, well, working for you now and potentially moving forward? Well, I think there's probably two things. One, one is it certainly gives you perspective. And I think, and so I, I, you know, you always want to partner with your, your agents, whichever side you're on. Right. And so on the corporate side, as I, as I partner with, you know, agencies that I work with in different ways, um, I think I have a perspective. I can, you know, under, relate to their perspective that makes it, you know, easier 
for to build a trusted relationship both ways, I think, because I, I, I get where they're coming from and what they're trying to accomplish. So that makes it easier. Um, and then the other is that uh, I try to spend time figuring out what's that perfect, you know, efficiency effectiveness mix of what of in-source versus outsource, you know, what can what can be better brought from the outside versus done inside. And I think I think that gives me a little bit of an advantage of knowing where, where the line comes, you know, which of the things we should try to, you know, manage ourselves versus which of the things we know we're better off going to a, you know, a dedicated specialized expert in a particular field. So. CBiz is basically a roll up of a bunch of different B2B services. Um, so where a lot of CMOs are looking at things like from a product standpoint, you're looking at things from the service side as well. Um, and so I'm curious, what's the meaningful difference for you? And what are some of the challenges of marketing services and products? Well, the, the, the simple answer is the classic answer, I think, is, in, is in, the, in the order in which you sell. So when, you know, with a product, you manufacture, you have a product, and then you sell it. In services, you sell it, and then you make it, <laughs> and it's a product. So you're selling before the product exists. So that's the classic, right? So it's an intangible sell. You're selling credibility. You're selling trust that you are the right ones to be able to create the product for, for the service. So it's a very, very different kind of stuff. In the CBIS case specifically, I think the bigger difference actually is that it's professional service. But the challenge, they're all professional services. And what that means is that for the most part, with a few exceptions, the way that they're sold is by the professional advisors, not by dedicated salespeople. That's a world changer. That's a game changer. Because the people who are selling the services are not ones that wake up every day thinking sales in that same way. And that's exacerbated by the fact that in our businesses, we have a high annuity factor. I mean... You don't change accountants every month or every year, or you don't change, get a new pair, you know. So we, you know, we have most of our business, I mean, large volumes of it, kind of repeat every year, right? So the people doing the selling are not, you know, full-time, 100% mindset selling. So marketing partnering with sales is a different thing in a professional service environment because you're, you're really partnering with um, professional advisors who sell, not salespeople. That's different. Mm. It, it, it feels like it would be daunting to look at that when you first saw how it was operating to where it is now. And what were some of the key things that you had to put in place to get it to where that was, to where it is? I was going to say it's over 20 years, so a lot has happened. Um, well, I, you know, we've done a lot of a, a lot of things, but I, I think as I, you know, as I mentioned, being the best CMO for CBIS, I think that goes back to the idea of understanding how um, how it operates and how how business is done. And so, for example, when we when we we built our social platform, one of the fundamental things that we did was instead of trying to say, "Hey, we know how you've done business," to you know, you typical professional service. You, it's relationship-based. You build a relationship, you get referrals, you know, you build credibility by having, you know, white papers or you speak somewhere. Those are all the, way, the ways that that happens. Well, when we build our social platform, instead of saying, hey, we've got something brand new, gee whizzy technology, we think you should start doing in the social media. Instead, we said, we understand how you do that. We're going we're gonna to show you how to do that. 
we're just going to do it in a little different place. So instead of going down the street to the Chamber of Commerce mixer to network, we're going to show you how to do that in an, in a, in a, in an online setting. And instead of um, going and speaking somewhere, we're going to show you how you can record a webinar and do that online. So it was all about um, creating whatever we've done on a, in a marketing standpoint um, to do it, to be reflective of that kind of unique um, advisor culture. Mm. I love that. It's all about teaching and educating. Yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful. You're putting the tools in their hands and then also showing them how to use it and making it, making it possible. Um, yeah, our social selling platform, I think, is one that 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 really um, um, embraces that, and it's we've been you know we've been doing it for a while, and have had I'd, I'd say pretty outstanding success with it. Well, let, yeah, I want to talk to you about that. What tell us more about the how did you how did you get it going? How how did you spot it? What was the platform that or how did you create? And then walk us through it. Yeah, I know. I, I, you know, I'm not sure the answer to the question how I spotted it. I, I just, I, re, I remember early on feeling that there was a real opportunity, uh, and so I kind of went with my gut on it. And so we early on started, in in the very, you know, kind of the really early days. And and at that time, most companies were approaching social in terms of really just trying to build their own corporate platform and get a lot of you know likes and follows on theirs. And we took it a whole different way. Um, we instead, from the beginning, built, built it on an idea of employee advocacy, which is now, you know, a phrase. It wasn't a phrase then. And uh, so the, the three keys, I think, that we did that worked really well were, first, um, we didn't say we're going to make everybody do this or whatever. Instead, we went and we looked for those people that we thought had the potential. I've used the phrase many times, in the, especially in the world of professional services, trying to get people to market is, you know, you can, you can bring horses to water, you can't make them drink. We can give them all the stuff, we can't, you just can't make them do it. Um, so instead, we said, you know, okay, we're going to find the horses that are the thirstiest. And we went and found the people who really wanted to grow their careers and who were sometimes more comfortable in social. And we took a small group and we said, we're going to, and we're going to, then we're going to make it really easy for you. And we developed tools early on to make social sharing and all of that, you know, a no brainer, really easy. Because again, not professional salespeople, right? So we made it really easy. That worked well. And then the third thing we did was we gave them an immense amount of recognition. We, when they had a, we put it everywhere. So the, the core idea was that the, we, you know, you talk about trying to get people on a bandwagon. The idea was, okay, I'm going to build a bandwagon that's going to be so tempting. Then it drives by. All the other people are going to be going, come on, I, I want on that. I want, I want some of that, right? And so we got some of these people who, in many ways, a lot of them were, were you know, not believing in the concept, trust me. They did not believe that would work. But as they started to see that their peers were being successful at it and we were showing that, they kind of went, hmm, maybe we ought to try it. So a couple of things happened. One, you know, we've had, we're now, you know, in you know, multi-million dollar, we tracked it all along. I've always believed, you know, revenue. We tracked the revenue, multi-million dollars directly attributable to social selling. Um, and at a 25% a year growth clip, year over year consistently. So we were, you know, sometimes, you know, better lucky and good. We were super well positioned between that and our digital lead generation. When COVID hit and the world went online, 
we were already there. And so that was actually a, we were in a good, we had the platforms pretty well built out and we had another, you know, even in a difficult year of COVID, another 25% growth year in uh, social selling against a really difficult, obviously, economy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, we could spend a whole hour just on that, what you just said. That's, yeah. uh, that's kind of like a mic drop because you don't hear that at, um, or I don't hear that at a lot of different companies that um, they built a social selling platform that's trackable to revenue. Um, and so that makes me think that uh, you've, you, you put something in place, not only you put like a hu humans and technology together, which is my favorite two things and made, made this, this possible. What, if you had to put your finger on how you move this behemoth of a company, I mean, I know it was adopting it slowly, like you said, toward that, but what was the, um, how did it happen socially? Like what was the social piece that um, allowed people to share or um, actually cross over into a sales perspective? Like how did that piece come together on that end? Well, that does take time, right? Because what you're, what you're really talking about is a culture shift, right? And change is hard. So um, a lot of it was not, um, you know, not forcing it down the throat, but, you know, kind of keeping it positive and showing, continue. I, I knew always I was going to, you know, you're, I'm in marketing, right? I market internally. So I market whether it's to the leaders or to the other advisors. So I, I recognize that by showing them, hey, we're generating revenue, hey, we're having success and making them the stars. And we, we, we every time on our internet, we had email blasts, we had, and we did a lot of, you know, kind of showy stuff you know, to, you know, leaderboards and, you know, awards and, you know, all sorts of things to, to be able to just create a level of visibility in a positive way for all the good things that were happening. And it, you know, it, it was literally like a snowball, you know, just, you know, except going in the right direction that, uh, you know, it, you know, you have X people looking at it and they, they got better at it. And so a few more joined on, a few more joined on, a few more, you know, just, you know, just it, 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 it worked that way. Um, is that something that's replicable across other areas or do you see like social selling is like just that one place that kind of holds the, the bar? Oh, no, a digit, like digital lead generation um, is, has been, or, you know, all digital marketing is, is absolutely a piece of that. I think the, the you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really bright, but when I, one thing I figured out pretty quick is that a, a big part of our business, remember, is accounting. Accountants know how to count things, right? And they understand revenue. So I knew all along that if we could show revenue, I mean, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm, my, my, my first CEO used to talk about, yeah, you know, I, you give, give me a, a, a bunch of those clicks and a bunch of those impressions and a couple of bucks and I'll get a couple of cop, cup of coffee. Because he, I, I got that, you know, I need to know how that works. I need to know how the sausage is made. I need to know the activities. What do you want to know is, did it work? So I, I, I built from the beginning that, you know, we have to have that. If we don't, if we don't have that answer, then I'm going to be constantly going, oh, yeah, look, we increased our LinkedIn followers by 27% this, you know, that's nice. Nice. So we did that. We built it in right from the beginning. And, and we built really uh, all of our, because uh, I was really involved in the development of the CRM. So this, our CRM, as we close opportunities, requires, you know, source, business source, et cetera, so we can track 
revenue against it. And, but even more so, really, digital lead generation, which is, is equally as large, but growing faster for us um, and has, I think, the opportunity to just blow it out of the water because, you know, the way that business is being done, even in a business like ours, which you might think is probably one of the, the, the not the leaders, but the followers, you know, behind B and B2C, even behind tech B2B, but, but even in our business, uh, you know, that, the, the world of, of, of online businesses has changed so dramatically. So we were there and we were on it and we were generating again, you know, multi-million dollars and, and with even a faster annual year over year growth rate in, in digital lead generation. And, 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 and my brilliant leader in that who, who, who talks about people, process and technology, similar to what you just said. And the key for us in digital or the way that we made it work in a replicable, to use your word, freight way, was setting a really good foundation of that people process technology. So as we go into it, as, as I mentioned, we have all these different practice lines. We did it, they're, they're a little different. So as we went into each one, um, we ensured that we had the people, we had to have digital lead generation specialists on, on our end. We knew we had that, we have a great marketing stack. So we knew we had the technology. So we had to have the process. And that's where the alignment with sales came in. So we won't go in without a service level agreement that says, we, here's, here's the leads that you want. Here's what you know, you're going to be happy with. And here's what you, sales, will do from a sales management perspective, from a lead follow-up perspective. And so we all agree, you can do that, we'll do this. And we, so the foundation is set in place before we do anything. And that's, I think that's been the key. And then the other thing is the easy part. And that is, it's so easy to learn. I mean, on digital, uh, because everything is so measurable, um, we're able to easily go through and go, okay, that, that's working, let's do more of that. We have, have you know, a dozen digital lead generation people spread across all the different aspects. They all collaborate, they all work together. They all see, ah, oh, that's working, let's do more of that. And they learn off of each other. So we have a very collaborative you know, learning environment. And data is such marketing gold. And we just look at it and learn from it. And if you've got a good foundation and then just keep learning, that's how it's worked. You know, the world where marketing needs to show uh, direct uh, contribution, revenue contribution, what are the best practices that no longer fit that you think are just like, you know, this is just not working anymore or we're not, we're not going to be, well, I don't see them moving forward um, or they need to undergo some substantial changes to survive in this environment this year even. I think it's less about um, changing tactics so much as reprioritizing them. You know, uh, most of the basic things that we've always done still work, just some work better than the other. I think the key is more in how we decide which ones to do. Um, you know, the, 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 one of my favorite old quotes from, and I like old quotes, but my favorite old quotes from, from about, about marketing is, was, it was the one that said, you know, I know half my marketing dollars are wasted. The problem is I just don't know which half, right? Well, now that shouldn't be very true anymore. And so what, what used to be in, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the formal world, um, the, the, what we did 
was often driven by, honestly, by, by sales or salesmen. You know, they'd come and say, hey, I have an idea. You know, can you do a brochure or a fly sheet on this? Or I want to do a webinar or whatever. The, you know, they, they wanted to do something. And we go, they're our internal client, right? So, of course, we want to please them. They, they think this is a good idea. They're the salesperson. They're on the street. They listen. So they say that this is a good idea and they need that. And so we do that, right? That's how that would work. Well, that might be right and it might be wrong and we weren't sure. Half of it worked, half of it didn't, we didn't know. But now we can track it. So, so now when that salesperson comes and says, hey, will you, you know, I got this idea, will you do a whatever fly sheet on this subject for me? We go, you know what? In the last three fly sheets that we did for you, have a 0.07% click-through rate and open. But you know what? We did a webinar on that subject last month and it went through the roof. So let's do one of those. So instead, so, so we're still doing some of the same things, but we're making it data-driven and we're determining it based on what we know works rather than the squeaky wheel who calls and you know, bothers us and says, you, you know, mar so marketing has gone from being order takers and it's being directing based on it's all based on data. Same thing with you know, same thing with revenue. We we the the one of the fundamental changes I think that I've my goal has been in the organization and and that I think has worked is that and I is that I've spent a long time obviously like every marketing person out there. You go to your CEO, you go to your board, you go to your leaders. You're asking for a resource. You ask for budgets. Of course, we still have to. But the difference is I don't, I'm not the only guy doing it because now, because we're showing the results to the practices, the head of the insurance or the payroll, whatever, the practice groups are going in when they're talking to the board about, hey, we had a great year. Our growth was really good. And a large part of it was thanks to all this good stuff and all this, what that, that marketing is doing. So our story is being told by the business because we're arming them with the uh, information about how we're helping them. So they're telling the story. So I don't have to go in and, and tell the story. And that has been a sea change uh, over just over the last couple of years. Isn't that, isn't that fun? How, how do you storytell um, uh, through, through the digital medium? Um, how, do, how are you seeing storytelling in across, um, you know, the, the land of Cebes and, 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 or where do you see storytelling going? I, I like to think that fundamentally I'm a storyteller. I, and I think that really good marketers are good storytellers. I also use the data to decide which stories to tell and which ones are working, but at the, you know, it's all about content. Right. And, and so the challenge for us is that, um, the story has to be, about expertise. And, and so what I think that we're trying to learn to do is one, one of two things. One is how to take that you know, oftentimes important, valuable, educational, you know, but pretty technical information and to try to present it in ways that are more uh, accessible better storytelling. And sometimes that's putting it in a video format versus versus info, infographics versus, you know, what used to be more, you know, more narrative and more written. So we're changing, a lot of it's about changing form. But the other piece uh, uh, that I really am focused on, because I think in many cases, in technical companies and in professional service companies, many companies, that that 
when you get to that point, you have to tell a technical story. You can't, it's not a, you know, it's not a once upon a time. You got to give the information, right? And sometimes, yes, it's dry. So it's what I call the middleware version of storytelling. Instead, what marketing, marketing doesn't have to tell the story of that. It has to tell people why they should read it, what they're going to get what the benefit of that technical information is. So it's the story isn't the information, it's why this information is so important you gotta read it. And that's a little bit different. And that's, that's what we're focused on is trying to really tell people why they should bother taking that next step and reading that deep content. Can't think of a better way to end. That was um, brilliant as always, Mark. And I'm so happy that we could and thank you for spending the time here uh, with us to to do this. I mean, this is the time went flew right by, and I'm uh, love 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 talking with you always. So, um, thanks again. It was great information. I know everybody's going to take something away, and more than one thing away. And absolutely, and, uh, so it's good stuff. Well, hope chance to do it again sometime in the real world, offline, and perhaps share a beverage and tell some stories. Hi, everybody. Spencer here on the Leadfield team. We want to thank Mark Waxman for being our guest on the show today. If you want to continue the conversation, tweet us on Twitter at Leadtail or our guest at Mark Waxman 2 with two O's. If you want to see the full video interview series, you can find this episode and more at LeadtailTV.com. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Have ideas for the show? Do you know someone who would be great to be a guest? Drop us a line at studios at leetail.com. Thanks.